Hey guys, this is The Crux True Survival Stories. I'm your host, Casey McIntosh, joined by my sister, Tessa King. Tessa King. Today, we will be telling this story about Abby Sunderland. She was a brave and adventuresome 16-year-old who had experienced sailing as a young child and set off in a yacht to secure the title of youngest sailor to circumnavigate the globe. All was going well until she hit the largest storm in her sailing experience, putting her life in danger. Abby Sunderland was born in October 1993 to her parents, Marianne and Lawrence Sunderland. She was the second of eight children. She was homeschooled and grew up sailing. Her brother, Zach, was the first person under the age of 18 who circumnavigated the world in a boat solo. Whoa. They probably were like, you can go do that. We have seven other kids to worry about. (laughs) If you can take care of yourself, that'd be great. (laughs) Sunderland had been planning on this journey since she was 13, having been raised spending so much time on the water. The plan was to travel the world in 10 legs, totally unassisted, from Marina del Rey, then to Cape Horn, Cape of Good Hope, Cape Luin, and back to Marina del Rey. Considered delayed, and her timing put her in Australian waters in autumn, just as the weather starts to deteriorate. The planning of her trip was heavily criticized for this reason. The yacht she used was named Wild Eyes, and it was a 40-foot yacht built in 2001, made of fiberglass and Kevlar, had five watertight compartments, crash bulkhead, and escape stern. It was designed to be handled as a solo craft. The boat was outfitted with a new navigation, communication, and electrical system prior to the trip. She started the solo trip in Marina del Rey, California on January 23, 2010. There was little time to test out all of the equipment, so they decided just to go for it, being that she could stop in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, if things were not going as planned. Once Abby was underway, it became evident that her charging systems were not sufficient for her energy needs, and she needed the diesel engine more than initially planned. Electrical problems in the mass wiring reduced effectiveness of wind speed indicators. Wind speed indicators are anemometers. They measure both wind speed and direction. So kind of something you need to have for a trip like this. Mm-hmm. Because of these small mishaps, which could be quite concerning on open water, it made it imperative that she stop off in Cabo to gather more batteries and fuel. So basically, she's going to have to return to that location if she's going to consider it um, a complete trip. So her plan was to go without stopping, right. never to stop in a port ever, ever anywhere. That's crazy. So she was a little bit disappointed, I think, in the fact that she had to start over. Once things were ship shape, she uh, departed from Cabo. The plan was to make 10 legs again, and as I mentioned before, circumnavigate end up in Cabo. She departed on February 6, 2010, and she crossed the equator into the South Pacific six days later on February 19th. There was an earthquake in Chile in February, and Abby was 1,860 miles away from the quake's epicenter, but her location at the time and the ocean depths reduced the effect of the tsunami, and she didn't experience anything as a result in terms of bad weather. That's lucky. But I assume that she's not going to be lucky for long. At 2 a.m. on March 21st, Sunderland was sleeping and the boat was knocked down, which means it was tipped on its side. 
She was able to right the wrong somehow and get the boat back upright. On the 31st, she came around Cape Horn, the most southern point of South America. She was the youngest sailor to ever do this. This is kind of a diversion. Um, she wouldn't have had to go that direction. In a TEDx talk, Abby describes this as the Everest of sailing. Prior to making this location, she had come into some rough conditions, but they improved as she reached South America. I'm assuming that Cape Horn, the Cape Horn location is such an important sailing destination because the waters around Cape Horn are hazardous due to strong winds, large waves, and strong currents, as well as icebergs. At this point, her autopilot systems both went down. So she put down her sails, and her team talked to her off and on through the night, trying to plan on how to manage the problem. Because without her autopilot, she's pretty much up you-know-what creek. No, I don't. (laughs) What creek? The creek of, oh no, you're really in trouble. <laughs> she worked on the wiring and she was able to restart the autopilot by herself miraculously. That's crazy. She's only 16, right? Yeah. Resourceful. And she was mentioning on this TEDx talk that she had already been up for hours and hours and hours and she hadn't slept. And what year was this? Did you mention it? 2010. Oh, that's pretty recent. Yeah. I was expecting like, I don't know, the eighties. Well, <laughs> thankfully it wasn't in the eighties because I'm sure her equipment was, was so much better, good. but I'm just imagining, can you imagine mom and dad being like, see ya? Never. Have fun at 16. Never. <laughs> she was able to keep in touch with her family with a satellite phone. And she also had a blog and she was posting to the blog. She announced on April 24th that she was planning on stopping in Cape town for repairs on her autopilot system. And both of these systems had failed and needed work. This ended her nonstop attempt, which was her initial goal. But she still planned on circumnavigation. She stopped on May 5th and picked up new parts, departing on May 21st. Her stop delayed the trip, and it was expected that she'd return to her starting location sometime in August or September. After she left Cape Town, she had a better understanding of what she didn't understand before, which was the type of challenging conditions that awaited her. As time went on, she experienced storm after storm with very little time in between storms to patch up the boat before the next one hit. She spent many nights either weathering the storm or working on her equipment. Then on June 10th, the largest storm Abby had ever encountered arose with 60 knots of wind and 30 foot swells. And she and her boat wild eyes were surfing over three story waves. Which she described as, like, really exciting and super fun. Oh, my gosh, stop. She went into the yacht when the wind slowed down later in the day. It was actually late afternoon. The wind was at about 40 knots, and she started working on the engine. When she was done with the engine work, she closed up the engine cover, and suddenly she was thrown across the cabin, and she hit her head on something. She blacked out, and when she awoke, she was on the ceiling, and she realized that the whole yacht was rolling around Uh. in the waves. And the first thought that she had was, this is it, my trip's over. Because her mast was broken. Because that's what happens when your boat rolls over. My trip's over, not, I might die. (laughs) Yeah, priorities, okay, priorities. Everything was wet and it was pitch black. And with the broken mast, all of her communication abilities were gone. She was 2,000 miles from search and rescue station in one of the most remote places on earth. 
and she began wondering if anyone would be able to rescue her out there. She was in the Indian Ocean, northeast of Kerguelen Islands, 2,000 miles west of Australia, an area that is rarely traveled by merchant ships. One hour after her sat phone contact was lost, two of her emergency radio beacons were activated. She had a third beacon that would activate once it was submerged 15 feet underwater, and this wasn't activated. So that was information for her team. The closest ship to her at this point was 400 miles or 640 kilometers away from her reported position. She had enough food and water to sustain herself because, of course, she's planning on being there for a really long time. At least she's prepared. Yeah. She'd recently just crossed her halfway point for circumnavigation. So on Abby's blog, her parents posted the following after the boat became impaired. Quote, Wild Eyes is upright, but her rigging is down. The weather conditions are abating. Radio communication was made, and Abby reports that she is fine. The French fishing vessel that was diverted to her location will be there in a little over 24 hours. Where they will take her, or how long it will take, we don't know. They commented on the days leading up to the storm. Quote, we were helping her troubleshoot her engine that she was trying to start to change her systems. Satellite phone reception was patchy. She was able to get the water of the engine and start up. We were waiting to hear back from her when American search and rescue authorities called to report having received a signal from her emergency beacon. We are working closely with American, French, and Australian search and rescue authorities to coordinate several ships in the area to divert to her location. In a blog post prior to the storm, Sunderland expressed that she'd been experiencing a few rough days. I've been in some rough weather for a while with winds steadily at 40 to 45 knots with higher gusts. The weather had improved, but she needed to do some work on the sail. She stated, quote, I managed to take it down, take care of the tear and get it back up in a couple of hours. It wasn't the most fun job I've had to do out there with the sea still huge. Wild eyes was rolling around like crazy. Can you imagine? She yeah. took the sail down. She fixed it. She got the sail back up during a storm. <laughs> in the morning after her boat became impaired the australian maritime safety authority sent Qantas airbus a 330 passenger airbus to get to the area with 11 trained ses air observers basically people that are trained to find things from above mm -hmm. in the water yes. the round trip distance for the plane was at its limit at 7600 miles within 10 miles of reaching the search zone the boat was sighted Contact was made with Sunderland, who said she was upright, but the boat was dismasted with its rigging dragging in the ocean with a broken mast, making communication with the sat phone impossible. She said that she was uninjured. The Australian Maritime Safety Authority Rescue Coordination Center organized a rescue with three ships headed to the scene. A French commercial fishing vessel, Lee de la Reunion, rescued her on the afternoon of June 12th. A Global Express corporate jet relayed communication between Abby and the vessel, and a small boat was used to ferry her from the yacht, which was abandoned to the ocean. The rescue took place during rough seas, and the captain of the French boat fell overboard and had to be rescued from the water. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's less capable than her. <laughs> kidding. She was taken on the French fishing boat to the Kerguelen Islands, where she boarded a French patrol boat and headed to Reunion Island. 
Sunderland's rescue was estimated to cost $300,000. Oof, I hope she had traveler's insurance. Well, the Qantas, just, just wait a sec. Okay, so the Qantas plane used to spot her cost $10,000 per hour. And the taxpayers of France and Australia paid some of the expense of her rescue. And the Australian government confirmed that she or her family by law couldn't be billed for the rescue. Oh. The International Convention for the Safety of Life at Sea states that any ship of any nation in the vicinity of a distress call is required to render assistance at no cost. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. There was scrutiny of Sunderland's team because the team did not contribute to the rescue costs and they appealed to the public to pay to salv- to have the boat salvaged. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing it themselves. Yeah. Well, it's really, really super expensive to salvage a boat in those sure. circumstances. Yeah. Her boat was actually discovered eight years later floating off the coast of Australia. It was noted by a tuna spotting plane 11 miles off of Kangaroo Island. Of and two, they have Kangaroo <laughs> And two fishing boats and the helicopter went to check it out. Oceanographer David Griffin told the Australian newspaper The Advertiser that, quote, there's every chance it had done a lap of the world already and was on its second time around, end quote. <laughs> Yeah, the boat made it, not her. <laughs> yeah, which I think is, there's something special about that. Abby's dream to circumnavigate the earth by yacht was not completed, but yet her boat, her yacht did it yeah. by itself. They did not recover the remains just because of the cost. So aside from the controversy of Abby's team not contributing to the cost of rescue, the fact that her parents supported her venture at the age of 16 definitely gained attention. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so her brother, Zach, had completed the journey at the age of 17, being the youngest person ever to do so. A number of experienced boaters criticized her parents for supporting her in the decision to sail around the world. I'm going to read you a couple bits from the article for The Guardian by Paul Harris. Derek Fries, a world sailing expert, stated, quote, In Abby's case, she was lucky. It's only a matter of time until we end up with a tragedy on our hands, end quote. Michael Kalin, junior director of San Francisco's St. Francis Yacht Club, told the Associated Press, quote, It's not something that a 16-year-old should be able to decide whether they're capable of doing. It's potentially irresponsible for the parents, end quote. News articles labeled her parents as irresponsible and careless. One statement in the LA Times voiced the opinion of many people, quote, Abby Sunderland was on the wrong type of boat, a racing yacht, in the wrong location, the Southern Indian Ocean, at the wrong time of year, winter in the Southern Hemisphere. Other than those minor details, it was a well-planned voyage, end quote. Her parents stand by their decision to let her go, especially because she is and was a very skilled sailor at the age of 16 with much experience. They mentioned that many parents are too careful and that there is risk in many things that teenagers do, like driving a car every day. And think about how many people end up in motor vehicle accidents on a daily basis. True. And I think people who have that many kids, maybe not the parents, but like the kids end up being very responsible. Yeah, because they're also taking care of younger siblings typically, and they mature probably quite a bit earlier. Exactly. And especially with the homeschooling element, then they have to also be self-sufficient. And just in our own community, a lot of the people I see who are homeschooled within that teenage age range graduate probably about 16 and then are in college level classes. It's just a different world. Yep. 
Abby ended up marrying a U.S. Navy sailor, Justin Sims of Alabama, and they have four children together. On April 12, 2011, she co-wrote a book with Lynn Vincent titled Unsinkable, A Young Woman's Courageous Battle on the High Seas. Her father released a documentary titled Wild Eyes, The Abby Sunderland Story, which was released on September 8, 2011. Ultimately, I think that she was slash is incredibly freaking brave. I think if you can sail for any period of time by yourself at the Mm -hmm. age of 16, Mm -hmm. you can do anything you set your mind to. I mean, this just, it literally blows my mind. I mean, to be that self-sufficient. Yeah. And she's very resourceful. Yes. So I would just say that she was much ahead of people that are two to three times older than she was at that time in terms of me being (laughs) self-sufficient. Amazing. That's all I can say about that. And I'd be curious to ask her about how her experience as a mother has changed her appreciation for maybe what some of the critics were saying. Sure. Like, yeah, because when you're the teenager, you're probably like, I mean, yeah, it's cool. You're not afraid about yourself, you know, but when you have kids, you're obviously really worried and concerned. But I guess they obviously had a lot of faith in her ability Mm -hmm. and they they had experience too. So I'm sure that says a lot. So that's all for today. Neat. Yeah. That's so thanks a, for listening. A yacht of interesting information. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I hope you guys have a great week. And if you would, if you'd be so kind to write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, if you enjoy listening. And if you don't enjoy listening, then I'm sorry. Then stop. Maybe stop listening. I mean, I won't tell you how to live your life. I do have some other podcast recommendations, though, but we don't need to get into that today. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, well, stay alive until next week. Talk to you then.